Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the Hall of Famer, voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Today is episode 61 here on the podcast, and Larry and I are very excited uh, to welcome in um, kind of a, a, of a legend here in, our, in the Purdue program and certainly here in the uh, Lafayette, West Lafayette community. Uh, Bill Berberian joins us, former player, longtime coach at West Lafayette High School, and uh, can't wait to get into a variety of things with uh, with you today, Coach. First of all, welcome, and thanks for taking time to join us here on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to have Larry here. Yeah, we we uh, we came and got set up, and and Larry and Coach were were uh, spinning the yarn with uh, some old time <laughs> stories and things. It was really cool. So, Coach, I want to um, uh, a little bit about your background. Um, uh, Purdue player 19, in the late 1940s, and um, you grew up um, outside of Chicago. Yeah. And so tell us about your childhood growing up in, in, in that part of the country. Well, uh, I was very lucky to grow up in Harvey, Illinois. And uh, my folks, uh, they're Armenian, came over as immigrants and had nothing. And uh, they didn't speak the language or anything. And Harvey was a factory town. And uh, my father, of course, worked in the factory, but my folks gave me everything. They were really great. We had, in our block, probably 10 different nationalities. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, and they all were, they built Harvey. We had about six or seven wonderful factories and because of that, they had good schools because they had a good assessed evaluation. And so I had a really good education. And uh, of course, my wife, who just passed away, she and my daughters and my folks were number one as far as my growing up. But I grew up in, in that town and I had great teachers, great coaches, and uh, f fortunately, <laughs> I'll never forget when I first started basketball. And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was down to our elementary school and they were trying out for the team. And I was outside the gym looking in, they had the door open because it was probably too warm. Mm -hmm. But I decided maybe I'll try out for the team. And I. I didn't have any shoes, so I wore socks. <laughs> wow. And I wore those socks out in no time. You'd be surprised how fast they go. But anyway, then I got some shoes and I played. And that was back when they had the center jump. And wow. so I... I uh, so after each, each basket, then they would jump the ball each time? They'd make a basket, you went back to the... <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't that the most stupid thing ever? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, then, uh, so I played there, and then I got to, we had a high school of 4,000. And, uh, wow. and I got to play, but the coach was one of the big things in my life. He, he put me on the varsity when I was a freshman. Wow. Well, you must have been pretty good. Yeah, then. yeah, you were pretty good, especially with a school of that that many kids. Yeah, we had, uh, and we, uh, and I, got to be all state player in, in in high school, 
and I was a forward and scored. But when I came to Purdue, they made a guard out of me, <laughs> and because I was only six one, and uh, Piggy Lambert was the one that recruited me. Yeah, I want to talk about Piggy Lambert. Um, when so you went to Thornton High School, and your senior year, you guys were twenty eight and one. And you were named All-State, so that had to be an amazing season for you as a senior. Yeah, it was great. Of course, I had some good teammates, too. So, uh, yeah, that, it was a great high school. I couldn't have gone ahead a better education. And what were the scores like in those days for, oh, of games? Oh, that was interesting. <laughs> well, Larry and I, I was talking about Lou Boudreaux. And Lou Boudreaux's team, they were called the Flying Cloud. Uh, they won the state, and they won the state. The score was, I think, 14 to 12. Wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, uh, so all the scores were low. I remember the first game, I, as a freshman, they, I got into a game, a varsity game, Joliet, Illinois, I remember. And I ran that back and forth. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> I, I didn't do any good at all. But the score of that game is we lost 18 to 16. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what, um, what, talk to us about your decision-making process to come to Purdue and how, how did that start? How did you first hear about Purdue and how did that all happen? Well, I was, uh, <clears throat> most of the coaching staff at our high school were Illini. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, they, uh, my my high school coach called me in, and uh, he said, uh, "You to ask me? Do you tell me where you want to go to school now?" But the Illinois offered me a forty two hundred forty two hundred dollar scholarship. Wow! And uh, <clears throat> and then I and per, uh, piggy. Was one of the reasons I came to Purdue, and uh, I came to Purdue, Illinois. I went down there for a visit, and Andy Phillip. They had the Whiz Kids then. Andy Phillip was uh, the best player, and he took me around. And uh, there was something about Illinois. Uh, they wined and dined me. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. And then I went. When I came to Purdue, it was more blue collar. Really? Okay. And I like that better. Yeah. And uh, I was working at a feed mill and Piggy called me and Piggy said, and I told him, I said, we have nothing. I, I don't, if, if I can, if you'll just take care of all the expenses, I'll come. And so uh, he said they would, so I came to Purdue. I like Purdue. And uh, so the, that's the that's the story. Wow. Now, and in those days, did did those did anybody on the coaching staff come see you play in high school, or how did they how did they know about you? Uh, they did. Uh, we had one guy that was a Purdue man on the staff, Paul Beck. He eventually coached at Evansville. Okay. And he was the one that brought me to Purdue, and I looked around, you know, and. At that time, the music hall in Lambert Fieldhouse were just built a couple of years before I came. Wow, wow. 
And that, as you know, that field house is built like a fort. Yeah, absolutely. And still right there just south of Mackey. And um, and they were playing in the field house. That's where the, the oh, games were being oh, held. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that was where that. And uh, when I went in the service for three years. Now, how long were you at Purdue before you went to the service? One year. So you came in as a freshman. What was that like? When you is that that was your first time away from home oh for my, an extended yeah. period? I was, I was really, I was really green, man. I didn't know anything about that, but uh, yeah, I, I spent one year here, and we had a really great freshman team then, and we practiced with the varsity, and that was the only year I had with Piggy. So talk. To, I've always been fascinated. I've had the uh, privilege to talk to Coach Wooden. Um, and, and hear stories about Piggy Lambert. Um, we got the opportunity a few years ago, Larry and I, when we traveled out east and played in a tournament in Connecticut, we went to the Basketball Hall of Fame, and there was a big um, display of Piggy, of Coach Lambert and all his accomplishments. A really underrated coach in basketball history. Um, and I think people at Purdue, we know the name, um, but I think nationally a lot of people don't realize just how great a coach he was. What are what's a good story or something from from Coach Lambert in those days? Well, <clears throat> if you want to hear one of the, uh, he 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 started the fast break. That's right. Wooden was really great, you know, in yeah. the fast break, and uh, uh, the uh, Wooden, which I got to talk to for twenty minutes one time by, wow. by himself. And he was a Piggy Lambert fan. Yeah, love Coach Lambert. He loved Coach Lambert. And uh, when, well, here's a story about Piggy. They were playing Indiana, and uh, Indiana had a guy named Hamilton that was their best player. And Piggy, they had a, a, a tiff between two players, he and another player, mm-hmm. and the coach and the referees kicked them both out of the, the game. Really? And uh, Branch McCracken was a coach at Indiana, and Branch McCracken talked to the referees, and the referees came over to Piggy, who was sitting on the bench, and they said, if you'll agree, we'll put those players back in. And I was sitting right behind Piggy, our freshman team sat behind the varsity. And they came over to Piggy, and the, you won't hear the but Piggy was sitting there like this. They said, do you agree? And Piggy went. <laughs> shook his uh, he head shook no. Shook his head. <laughs> I'll never forget that incident. He didn't want that that a good player coming back in for Indiana, did he? No. And, I, <laughs> and the other thing about Wooden was I got to talk to him for about 20 minutes by himself. And that was when he came to Purdue and they had some kind of an event. And nobody was sitting with him, so I went over. And we talked about, and Larry and I were talking about Lou Boudreau, and my, mm-hmm. who I idolized. And and he and Boudreau played on the semi-pro basketball team. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and wouldn't really enjoy talking about Boudreau. And uh, and I, I, praised, I praised him, of course, for his record and everything. And he said, he said, Bill, the only thing I did was I, I got a good gymnasium built at UCLA. 
but he could have been my my coach at Purdue. He yeah. was coaching at Indiana State before he went out to UCLA. But yep. right at that time, they hired Mel Talby. Yep. Yeah, but right. we played Indiana State when he was there. Oh, did you? And yeah. do you remember him as a young coach? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So you're at Purdue for a year, and and um, so what was what went through your mind? You enlisted in the service on your own? Uh, well, I enlisted, but everyone went to the to the army, and I did play some basketball with some really great players in the service. I was in combat for six months. Fortunately, I got out of But fortunately, the war was coming to an end during those six months. Okay. And I was in uh, France and Germany. So this would have been, um, what was the well, year? 43. Okay. So the tail end of the war. And, yeah. and so did, and you flew over. Did you, did you train here before you went? Yeah, I went to Fort Sill and then... They had an ASTP program, which trained for officers in the service, and uh, I was at the Citadel in South. Yeah, in South Carolina. Yeah, for six months, and then they put all of us in the infantry. Wow. They wanted infantry. You know, that's where the war is fought. You know. Yeah. And fortunately, uh, uh, I had a couple of really tough battles, but. Uh, uh, where were those battles at? In, uh, well, we started in the Vos Mountains in, in France and ended up in Stuttgart in Germany. And, uh, f and I had uh, some artillery uh, at Purdue. They trained us in artillery. And uh, so I, w they, I did some forward observing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, it had a lot of, I have a lot of Army stories. I never used to talk about the service until I got to be a couple of years ago. I started talking to everybody about it. Well, it's fascinating. And Larry and I, Larry served. He was um, in Okinawa during the Vietnam War. And where did you, where did you train, Larry? Uh, Fort Knox and then uh, went down to Louisiana and was down at Fort Polk. Oh boy, and that's that, the one place I wanted to. And that was a, that was an infantry uh, uh, camp, and then uh, and I was in supply, and uh, they held me over and sent me to uh, to that unit, and um, so before I was, I had to go overseas. I had to spend a little extended time here in the states, and so I got. I was with the hospital company, and that was great because that was the only place I had great food, <laughs> and and you and we were able to do it. And I thought that man, this is great. I can get two glasses of milk at one sitting. Yes, you can, and you can do anything you want because you're helping the guys that are hurt. And uh, so I so I spent that time until I I left and went to Okinawa, and I just worked with a. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what they called it, a logistical company. And and when I was there, then I decided uh, I, I got a hold of my CO, and um, I said, I want to go out with the basketball team. And he said, no, you don't, because if you go, if you start playing basketball, you will never get promoted again. 
and uh, I had been in for a year and a half, and I'm thinking, I haven't been promoted yet, and I've been here for a long time. I've been on the <laughs> island for a year, and I said, nah, I think I'm going to go out. If, yeah, I mean, just don't don't demote me. Right. He said, I won't, but he said, Larry, it's not a good course for you. So I went and I played, and I was a backup guard uh, for a team for, oh, four months, and I didn't do anything, and but I didn't have to. I didn't have any duty. We were all uh, temporary duty, and it, it was it, it was great. It was fun, cause uh, and you'd run into some good players, too, some pro players, uh, later pro players, and uh, yeah, that was fun. And then and then I said, well, this is pretty good, so I'll just try to go out for I'll go out for the army team and see if I could play baseball. And I did, and and uh, I was accepted. We were a horrible team. I think we're, I think I think we're eighteen and fifty six or something like that. But uh, I, I love doing that. And uh, it, it's so the last so the last uh, nine months I was in the service. I got two promotions. My my co company commander said I'd never get promoted, and I got two promotions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good you trusted your instincts and, yes. and did that. So I came out of Spec Five, and I was making good money. And and at the last moment, I decided they came to me and they wanted me to run the gym in Naha, the city of uh, Okinawa, the big city in Okinawa. And they had a, a gym there, a real nice gym uh, for the athletes, and they wanted me to run it. And if I got out, and and then if I stayed in the army, and um, and I thought that was a great idea. My wife had just joined me over there just maybe four months earlier at the time, and uh, I went home and I was so excited uh, because they were gonna they were willing to pay me ten thousand dollars to re up. And that that was for three years. Yeah, ten thousand dollars, a lot of money, and yeah, in 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 that time, and um, I ran home and saw my wife and told her, "Man, we we got a great opportunity here." She said, "I tell you, I, I, I wish you well." <laughs> and she said, "You take that job, and I have no hard feelings." But I'm going home. <laughs> You're on your own. Uh, yeah, I'm going home as soon as you get released. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay. But that's uh, and I thought, well, you know, and we were still fighting in Vietnam, and I thought, well, maybe if I stay, they might decide to, you know, yeah, you know, assign you to, you know, thing about the army, you never knew what they were going to do. So well, and coach, what was? Well, just uh, when he mentioned Okinawa, one of my best friends in high school, uh, Bob Bauman, he went to Wisconsin to play football, and he played with uh, Don Schreiner, who was uh, All-American, but Bauman was a great player and a great person. That Wisconsin team, most of them invested, went into the Marines, and uh, my friend Bob Bauman and Shriner were both killed on Okinawa. Wow. Yeah, I guess that was really a rough place when they invaded. Oh, that was, that was the bloodiest fight of uh, World War Two. Yeah. In mm. Okinawa. And, uh, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of men died over there. Well, Shriner, he said that 
when he when they were attacking, he saw Bauman laying there, and he said, "My God, that's Bob Bauman," and he was he was dead, of course. And then he went on and he got killed. Oh, wow. And they have a building, uh, something uh, built uh, named for them at uh, at the University of Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. So what, when you enlist, you train, and then you get your orders and you're flying out, what's going through your mind at that time? You mean when I went into service? Yeah, well, so if you're, you were training here in the States, and, yeah. you said, and then they say, okay, get on a plane, you're heading over. Well, we didn't get on a plane. You, go, you boat, you they, they boat, they boat six, over? Six days on the boat. What? So what's going through your head? You have a six-day ocean voyage. Well, I was worried about the torpedoes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was a, we, we had an old 1905 Washington ship that was converted into a, taking us over there. Wow. And uh, the Germans, in the early part of the war, we were lucky, but in the early part of the war, they sunk a lot of our ships with those U-boats. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man. So we were fortunate. We got into Marseille. We ended up in Marseille and then went up through France and into the Vosges Mountains. Do you remember that moment when you arrived in Marseille and just the relief of having made the voyage across with oh, nothing happening? Oh, absolutely. And uh, we we had we went right into a camp and. Uh, uh, from that camp, we we took off up into uh, into the Vosges Mountains, and this is we were green soldiers. We were not soldiers, and, we, and, and they tried to train us, but you know, in any part of life, experience is a is a big thing. But yeah. we went up there, and I'll never forget the first day, our our uh, colonel got killed. Because they didn't, he they got the false information about our platoon being in the wrong place, and they, he got hit with a machine pistol. The Germans oh. had these wonderful; they they were ahead of us in armaments, you know. But anyway, we were all we can. The first day of combat, they said, "Hey, you guys, uh, you, you better dig with your foxholes, put some big logs on top because." The shells hit the trees and the, and the shrapnel comes down and if we had a lot of people we get killed that way. So we built this fort, me and this guy Benvenuto. We had a lot of Eastern people in our outfit. And uh, we built this fort and then, th then we go in there like a bunch of dummies. We're <laughs> walking around the campfire you know, and, and here come some mortar shells in on us. Wow. And, and <laughs> that's how green we were, you know. So we, I run back and get in the foxhole, and there's no Benvenuto. And uh, we came out, and I said, we're, and the guy had run away. Just got scared and ran? He ran. He thought he was going to run away from the shell, you know, oh. from the coming in. Wow. Isn't that ridiculous? That's, That's how, what happens, you know. Yeah, right? when nobody, when you don't have any experience, you're not really sure what to expect, right? Uh, uh, I was in the 397th Regiment, and Leon Trackman, who was over at Purdue, he was in the administration. He was in the 
398. He got captured in about the second day we were in uh, combat, and they marched him all. He he was uh, so he was six months a prisoner of the German. Wow. And uh, they gave him nothing but potato soup, and, and I understand that. You know, I've talked to him. I he's a great guy, and he. He was 99 pounds when he came out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. So talk about when That's you... That's a war story. There I yeah, go. Yeah, no, they're great. They're, I, this is great. And... Um, we, we, that's one of the things we love about this podcast is we, it all ties back into Purdue basketball, but we love getting off topic like this. Um, you mentioned that part of your, um, in part of your service, you were an artillery observer. Um, how did you get to that point? And then, you know, as the war's winding down, talk about your role towards the end of the war then. Uh, well, that, um, yeah, that's one of the worst things. I, I'm a real, against warfare of any kind. It just, it's the most stupid thing, I think. Uh, you're just out there killing each other. And uh, I didn't get to, to do too much of that for Missouri, but our biggest battle was in Heilbronn, Germany. And, uh, well, uh, <laughs> in, in, learning, in learning the thing, I went up, I was a radio operator for a while with the with the Forest Reserve, and then I did some Forest Reserving. But this is the type of thing I think about. I never thought about this before. But then the first time he said, now you take over, in the, and we were in, by a German village was there, a beautiful German village. And we were going to attack the next day into that village. And he said, now you fire, and he said, I, and he said, I see some German troops in there. This, uh, the guy that was uh, Sabati, John Sabati, he was a great forward observer. And he said, I see some troops in there. And I said, John, I don't know when I see anybody in there. And he said, listen, he said, fire. So I fired the guns and you, you fire over and down and you zero in and, and into this village. And then we fired for, I fired for effect, which means the guns, the, we had small cannons in mm-hmm. the, for the, in, in our infantry. And we fired uh, for effect, you pattern, you fire so many, each, each gun is firing six rounds at a time. And you go up and down and back and forth and you pattern through the, how many Germans did I kill? You know, what what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought about that before. When I was young and in there, I was gung ho. But uh, then I think about it, and I think, you know, innocent people. It's the bad part of war. That's oh, all. Yeah, that's that's the whole issue. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just uh, the worst thing. That's all. So, World War II concludes, and talk. When did you get the news that hey, the war's over? How did that reach the you guys and your unit? Uh, we were in uh, Stuttgart at the time, and and see, uh, I I stayed there for another year, 
after our six months of combat, our outfit stayed there. And then they found out I was a basketball player, so the third division had a, a, a lot of college players. We had a couple guys from St. John, a guy from Santa Clara. We had an All-American from Oregon State, John Mandick, and uh, we had a great basketball team. Wow. Had our own bus, our own trainer, and we went and played the, all over Germany. Never, never, no one came close to us because they didn't <laughs> have, a, have a team, but that was... Uh, that was quite something. Uh, and was they, the purpose of that just to get um, the German citizens just back to everyday living? And uh, yeah, and and then the, the, you meet the people, you know, all the Germans, and and uh, there's no difference in people. Yeah, they all yeah. want the same things, and they're all, you know, and. Uh, one of the one of the things that uh, happened to me, which was really gratifying, I gave some food to the, this old old couple, and they they had had five sons, and they were all killed in the war. My goodness, man! And they uh, the, they were on the they, some a couple of them were in the, against the Russian. The Germans lost six million people on the Russian front. The Russians lost 20, 20 million. But this old lady gave me a, uh, it was a kind of a medal that Hitler put out for the women that had sons, you know, or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the things I cherish. Wow. They were really nice people. Wow, that's an incredible story. So what year did you return back to the States? Well, I, I, let's see, it must have been 45, 45, and I played from 46 to 49 and uh, under Coach Talby. So Mel Talby is hired, as you mentioned, um, after succeeded Coach Lambert. Yes. And then you came back and uh, and played for him. What was Coach Tobby like? I've not heard a lot about him. Well, he was a very intelligent man, and uh, uh, I thought he was a very a good coach, and uh, I enjoyed my time with him. And uh, we had some decent teams. We never, when we came back from the war, though, uh, in Lambert, they. Uh, they didn't have reserve seats or anything, and they had this. They had they they built up this temporary bleachers. Right. Went all the way up to the ceiling. Wow. And uh, and we played. Uh, we never lost a game at home, and the, one of the reasons was the crowd was just you know they all came back from the war a lot of them, and and that place was. I mean, they yelled for the whole time out, they yelled. It kind of reminded me <laughs> of these soccer games in Europe where they just yeah. keep yelling. Yeah. And they were tremendous. But because of that, when we played Wisconsin, we never lost a game at home, but I don't think we lost. We won one on the road. <laughs> but, but because of that, the bleachers crashed because they were yelling so much and... And at the half, we went down to the 
locker room, and that's when the bleachers collapsed. So you were in the locker room when that happened? Yes. Wow. And, and when I came up out of the locker room, those bleachers were flat. There wasn't one tripod up or anything. Wow. Now that's a uh, Purdue people will will know that story. That's a that's a huge story from Purdue's history. Uh, people were killed in that bleacher collapse. Well, there was two or three killed yeah. because they were underneath. But you wouldn't have believed the number of broken bones. Oh, uh, a lot of my fraternity guy brothers and stuff. I worked in the kitchen at, at in the fraternity during my years at Purdue, and, and a lot of those guys broke their ankles. And oh, I heard, I've seen pictures, um, still photos of the aftermath, and when the, they, they documented that of the bleachers at laying in, in shambles, and it's amazing because they were, as you said, it was a huge grandstand that was built there. Yeah, it yeah. really was. They, they wanted to get as many people, and they kept saying, Move in, move in before the game started, and you know they had them jammed in. Oh wow, that's yeah. incredible! And John DeCamp, who Larry is, knows yeah. long time voice of Purdue. Yeah, he he was one of the people that calmed the crowd down, you know, because and I guess the, because they were veterans, they really handled it well. When, wow, when it happened. Wow, that's incredible. So what was what was Purdue like? Your what what uh, what did you study when you were when you came back? Well, I I, uh, I, uh, I started in engineering, and I went through that first year of engineering and and uh, passed everything. <laughs> but anyway, that I I didn't. They, we had a one once a week health thing in the, in the music hall, and when this. Freshman, we had a tournament with Illinois, Indiana, Northwestern, mm -hmm. and uh, Purdue. At, at Purdue, we had this freshman tournament. We had this great team, you know. With, we had two or three Indiana All-State players, and uh, Jim Ertle and Clay Moody and some of those guys, Charlie Haig, they all were. The, a couple of them played later with but some of them didn't come back. But anyway, uh, uh, we, uh, we, what was we? We were going to, uh, we're talking about the Hall of Music and the tournament and the, with Illinois Northwestern. Yeah, well, we. And you had the health, the health class once a week. Oh yeah, and, that, and I flunked that <laughs> because I didn't go very often. But the engineering was so tough, you know. And I passed all that. But when I came back, I decided I loved the game of basketball. You know, there was something about basketball that I would, uh, when I'd step on the court, it was a whole different world for me. And I enjoyed it so much. And Piggy, you know, he had that fast break, and all we did was run up and down for two hours or so, fast as you could go. Yeah. And uh, I, I used to love love that and so that that's why I decided to change and I went into into coaching but I do have a I had a major in biology never used it and had uh, social studies and and I did teach some social studies and physical education was number one physical ed so when you were an upperclassman did you know you wanted to coach? Like when, as you as you were a junior and senior, were you pretty certain that's what you wanted to do when you graduated? Yeah, pretty much so. And I ended up going to Greensburg. 
Yeah, that was my next. I was going to ask how you ended up going down to Greensburg. So you graduate, and then you end up down in Greensburg? They went down to Greensburg, my first coaching, for three years. And it was it's just a night. It was so great down there. I enjoy it very much. And and this is a weird. When, when I was down there, the, the, uh, the job opened up here, and I was here doing graduate work or something. And uh, they offered me the job. When I went back to Greensburg, they offered me $500 more to stay. <laughs> I think I was making uh, not quite $3,000 at that time. Now were you teaching down there as well? Yes. Okay, What's, what subjects did you teach? Social studies mainly. Wow, and so when you went when you went to Greensburg, was it because they had an opening for a coach or did you have another tide that, that got you down there? Uh, I, the only thing I know about is it opened up down there and I, uh, I went down there and they, they hired me. Wow. Yeah, and it was uh, it, it was just an awfully nice town, and I I enjoy. We won one. Uh, we tied for the uh, league title, which uh, was a good. It's a good league. South Central, they called it. Martinsville, Franklin, mm-hmm. uh, Columbus. Columbus was a big school, and mm-hmm. Connorsville and Green. That was Rushville. Those were the schools in the league. Yeah. So when you got the offer to come back here, was it a even though the five hundred dollars offer down there was it a no brainer to come back and coach here? Yeah, I decided uh, you know I could finish schooling and and of course this community is is one of the best in the country. Yeah, and you and you come back and get the West Lafayette High School job, nineteen fifty three, right? Your first year. Yeah, fifty. Two or three, somewhere in there. And what, uh, were you teaching then social studies st- again, or was it a different Yeah, subject? I was teaching social studies for a while, and then I, then the physical education after most of the time after that, and the health. So talk about, that That starts a, a, a great run for you. You're there 28 years. The gym's named after you, Westside High School. Um, what, what, was, what was high school basketball in this town like back in those days? Well, we had, uh, obviously, I was, we didn't win a sectional for so many years. Uh, Jeff just dominated here, and uh, I, we, I guess I won enough games to keep me on as a coach, <laughs> but uh, uh, we finally won, beat Jeff once, and... <laughs> Everyone went wild because it was, you know, the longer you wait, the sweeter it is. Yeah. Just like when the Cubs won a couple of years ago. Yeah. But uh, uh, Mike Geary, who became a uh, state senator, won the game with two, he had two free throws that, that won the game for us. And that was quite, quite a big thing. And, and then, uh, of course, later on, we... I had some really good players, and uh, we did pretty well. Well, you, you, I know you're, you'll be humble about it, but over your tenure, you won 374 games. You guys won the regional in 1979. Um, some tremendous accomplishments. What was, 
you you mentioned you and Jeff and the big rivalry in the fifties. Were were there any other high schools in the area at the time? Was was McCutcheon or Harrison around at the in the in the fifties? No, no, they uh, the sectional had fifteen teams in. Really? Because all these teams around here, uh, Montmorency and Monitor, and uh, so the, all those were were in the sectional. Wow. And and some of those teams are small schools, but they played really good basketball. Sure. So uh, this and uh, Jeff usually won the won the sectional and until uh, in my later years, uh, I didn't have much success with the, but uh, fortunately they they kept me on as a coach. I probably have a record for. <laughs> For years of not winning a sectional and still being the coach. <laughs> did now? Did you and Jeff play during the regular season every year? Would did you play once, twice, or? Yeah, you? we played once every year. Okay, and that was probably one of the big games of the year. That was a big game of the year. Yeah. And what were the crowds like back then? Oh, they were. You know, basketball was so big then in all the high schools because they didn't have women's sports. Mm. Women's sports came in, you know, and and uh, all the other sports got to be bigger, and uh, so. But at that time, everything was pointed towards uh, basketball. I mean, that was it. That was a big deal. And a lot of these schools, like you know, uh, around here, like Rossville, boy, they had some great teams, you know. Uh, I know I coached baseball for quite a few years at uh, West Side, and we were playing Rossville in baseball, and uh, we never had any. I never had any trouble winning in baseball because none of these schools. Uh, <laughs> so we're playing Rossville, and we're, and we we beat them, you know, and we're starting to go. I saw two of their kids walk by, and one says, "Let's go over to the gym and shoot some baskets." <laughs> so they were only in, and they had some great teams out of Rossville. Wow. So, Larry, when you got to the scene here, um, it was towards the end of Coach's run. Do you remember those days? And Oh, sure. Um, when I got here, uh, I was under the tutelage of uh, Henry Rosenthal. Oh, yeah. And uh, Henry found me down in Kentucky and and brought me up here, and I was his project. And of course, uh, immediately he applied me to bigger and better stuff. It was like, uh, how would you like to? How would you like to do the Purdue games? I mean, I went from doing uh, high school games and not 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 West Lafayette, Lafayette, Jeff, and that, but the the other teams out in the county and stuff. And he said, "How how would you like to how would you like to help me do the Purdue games?" Hello. Yeah. And I never expected it. I didn't come here expecting anything from Purdue. And uh, I said, "Thank you, Henry." And I I started doing them. Did you call any West Side games? Uh, no, they had a they had a pretty good system uh, here when I came because they had a the uh, the public radio station which was um, BAA yeah BAA they did they did the games okay and uh, 
Yeah, guys like Ken Double would do the games. Or Ken Double. Ken Double, remember Ken? <laughs> Ken he Played the Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Much better Oregon player than he was a, an announcer. <laughs> would he, he play the Oregon at the games? No. But oh, okay. He, he, he was a good announcer. But but uh, he so Westside had kind of their own package. And so you, you couldn't get near him, you know. But we'd see him in the tournament stuff, and they were a good tournament team. And I remember, was it 79? Was 79 their, their best team? Yeah, the regional. Yeah. Uh, Banker and those guys. Yeah, Banker. And, uh, uh, the, the, his time and uh, uh, that one team I had that went to the semi-state, uh, I must have had, you know, had a lot of sparse years in some respects, but I respected every player I had. But uh, that year I had at least 10 players that should have played. Uh, I had a wealth of really good players. Wow. And uh, uh, I, I remember, well, you know Alan Karpik. Yep. He, was, he never got to play much because that's when I had a run of really good players, and uh, that was th those were really great years. When so, you coached, who would you say your biggest influences were from the guys who coached you when you played? Uh, my high school coach was the biggest one. He kind of took me under my wing. He knew that I came from. A poor family, and and uh, I remember he take he transported me in his car once in a while, and and he pushed me right into the varsity, and and uh, he was a big one, and uh, of course he he coached Lou Boudreau, and he ended up out in Arizona. I visited him out there, and went to Cleveland and had their he, he went out there, I think, because Cleveland would have their spring training in Arizona, and he would he would see Lou Boudreau because they were very close. Well, and, and I've, I've, when I've talked to coaches in the past, and I, Coach Painter will share this with me, um, he, he, he's mentioned this from time to time, that as a coach, you find yourself uh, repeating some of the same phrases that the coaches you played for would say. Did you ever find that? Did you ever, did as you coached in practice or a game, did you ever do anything that you thought, boy, that's the same thing my coach used to do, whether it was Coach Lambert or Tobby or your high school coach or oh, any I'm of those guys? I'm sure, I'm sure I did a lot of that. And, uh, you know, the fast break went out. Uh, the, there's not many scores anymore fast breaking uh, there's a lot of individual the guys are so good individually now yeah dribbling the ball and stuff and and uh getting past their man and picking rolls and and stuff like that that uh it's a whole different it's just a whole different ball game and and just a recent thing uh cold painter He's that defense the other day against against Virginia. Yeah. Uh, what was so amazing about that game was the, the he had I don't know maybe nine or ten players that he used 
And every one of them went out there and was intense on that defense. Yeah. And boy, they really, <laughs> they shut that team down completely. And so you watch you watch Purdue games. Um, are you watching a lot of basketball in the evenings oh this yeah. time of year? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm the same way. Every I, I can't wait to get home and watch whatever games are Boy, on. They, so. and, and television today, they 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 schedule those games so you can't leave the. You know, there's one game and you could stay all day and all. You know. Yeah. It's amazing. That's great. Well, you attended pra- one of our practices earlier in the year. Um, got to come by and, and watch our guys practice. Um, which was great. And one of the gentlemen who brought you over to practice, um, Bob Troyer, works on our score bench and played for you. Yeah, um, wonderful guy. Yeah, he's he's great, and, and he was one of the ones that kind of helped set a, uh, us set this up. Um, and is it rewarding? So a lot of your former players, I would think, live in the area or live in town here. Um, how many guys do you still keep in touch with? Quite a few? Uh, yeah, quite a uh, and you know the the great thing about being my age is I saw all these guys grow up, and to see them grow up and be successful, mm-hmm. you know, is just a wonderful thing. And, but I had three of them come over: uh, Bud France and uh, Drew Freeman and Brent Hartman came over one day, and we were talking, and they said. Uh, they were 70 years old. I said, you guys, you guys are 70 years old? And I couldn't believe that. But, uh, yeah, but it's, listen, I had some of the greatest players, and, and, uh, you know, I was, one thing about my coaching, and I never forget, it's a game. You know, and when I was in uh, in school, I took every every person. I was supposed. I feel like a coach is an educator. Also, you're in the school system, right? And uh, I treated everybody, whether they were in the classroom or the best player on the basketball team. You know, they were still people that were in school to learn about they get educated and find out about life and uh, and I always felt that way I, I was brought up that way mm-hmm. mainly I think because of my my wife and my parents you know you got to have those parents they're so important right and here in West Lafayette I was so fortunate some the parents of some of these players were just wonderful people yeah it was did West Lafayette High School have the prestige academically then as, as it does now? It's it's a great, uh, great place. Yeah, not quite, but uh, we had some teachers there that were there for many years that were just outstanding teachers. When I, when I started, I, I think our enrollment was about 250 or 300 wow. in the whole school. And... Uh, we had some great teachers. And you've obviously been in this community a long time. Is it amaze you kind of how it continues to grow and change and all the change that come, has come at Purdue? Oh, my God. It's just unbelievable what's going on around here. I mean, uh, you know, when I built this house, 
I had to put in a gravel road out here. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They didn't have a road and, and nothing out on the bypass. And geez, I go out there now, and maybe it's because of my age, but when I look out there and I see all that traffic, jeez, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. And now they're building these high-rises. I don't get out of the house very often, but the one time I went out there about a few months ago, geez, I looked and I couldn't recognize the village area. So Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a... Um the recent years have seen a lot of change come, and the campus is, it seems like there's cranes all over campus all the time from buildings going up, and it certainly uh, Purdue's experiencing a uh, great growth right now, and it's, it's, it's a good time to be at Purdue and a good time to live in this community, and um, a lot of change. And yeah. Even our players that, uh, we've, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, even our players that graduated a handful of years ago when they come back to campus are amazed at the, the things that change around here. So. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is, uh, when I went to, went to Purdue, uh, Angie and I, my wife, we used to go to Lambert, and uh, they had a, a workout place down below with some machines. Yeah. We would go there and work out, and I had, <clears throat> and I had a locker upstairs that I took a shower. It was the same locker that I used when I was playing on the varsity team. Really? Wow! And now, when I went over there the other day, when I met you, yep. and, uh, it, that place is plush. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my <laughs> God, I couldn't, I could not believe. The facilities. Yeah. So you came over. We were practicing down our practice court in Cardinal Court, and um, yeah, it's a long way. And that lot of the basement of Lambert is still probably the way it looked when you were over there. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I've been down there a few times. So when I worked over in the sports information office um, over a decade ago, um, we used to keep our old archives were down there, our old historical documents and and oh, really? art, yeah, and pictures and photos from the history of Purdue athletics. Was there was a storage room down there, and when you went over there, especially if you if you weren't used to it, and if you took somebody over there for the first time, and I would maybe go down there with one of our student assistants to do some research, and they would kind of give you a look like, where are you taking me? Because we would go to the bottom of Lambert, and I know the workout area you're talking about, and there was yeah. a little closet back in the corner, and it's down there, and it's, uh, the, yeah, if you get lost, you might have a hard time finding your way back out. But uh, that part hasn't changed very much over no. in Lambert. That's quite a building. Yep. Well, Coach, I want to thank you so much for taking time um, to talk about your, your journey through, uh, through Purdue and basketball. Um, Congratulations! You've recently—it was announced recently—you're being inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and that's got to be a tremendous honor for you. Yeah, it is, and uh, I was kind of stunned at my age <laughs> that this was done. But uh, it's all due to these players that got together, and uh, it, you know they—they're they, just wonderful guys, and uh, they did it all. I. Uh, as I say, it was remarkable right at the time it happened. And, and uh, you know, I, I, when I lost my wife, it was, I've had a rough time with that. And uh, this kind of took my mind off of it. Well, it was, it was great. I know it was something that, um, 
they had been working on and, and much deserved. Um, I know that you went into the Illinois Basketball Hall of Fame back in 1973 as a player. Yeah. And uh, to go in now the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame um, is, like I said, much deserved. And the gym over at Westside is named after you. And uh, I know there's a lot of people in town that that's going to make uh, really happy. And um, we're going to we're going to see you at our uh, one of our upcoming home games when we play Central Michigan after after the Christmas holiday. Um, we're going to have you over to Mackey for that game, and we're really looking forward to that as well. Well, thank you very much for everything you've done, and it's great to see Larry. Man, uh, you know he over the years I've heard so much about him, and and uh, as I told him before, his voice is so familiar. He got on the radio. He had the voice for the radio. Absolutely. Yeah, I've had a lot of people say I have the voice for radio, and it's it's always hurt my feelings because I always thought I was really a handsome guy. But they, <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, but that's uh, but Bill, you're uh, well honored and and should be, and people talk about you every place I go. If we ever mention West Lafayette, they want to know how Bill Brick. Barbarian's been doing, and uh, you know you've been a great, great, great representative of uh, this area, and, and uh, it's just it's been great for me to have the opportunity to spend this time with you. Well, uh, you know I appreciate that, and, and uh, as I said though, you know you're just you're just a product of your environment. I I just my whole life, and and a lot of it is luck, you know. A lot of it. Uh, yeah, a lot of it. You, you know, you reach a certain stage. You say, "Shall I go this way or shall I go that way?" And you had to make decisions. And like I went to the war and and all that. Uh, and I, it's just a luck in a lot of cases. That's all. And it, I was very fortunate in my life to have all these people that helped me. Well, you you look great. Um, as you said, some of your players in the seventies. As we sit here and talk, um, you know, 95 years of life, it's just, it's remarkable. And it's really, it's been a pleasure for Larry and I to sit here and share some of the, hear some of these stories and, and share this time with you. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Well, thank you guys very much. Well, that's episode 61 here on the podcast with the legendary West Lafayette high school coach, former Purdue basketball player, Bill Barbarian. I want to thank uh, everybody for, uh, for listening. And coach, I almost forgot here. We always ask, um, as we wrap up each podcast, we, we ask a final four questions um, to each of our guests. And I want to get to those uh, here before we let you go. Um, now, uh, Bob Troyer said that this might be an interesting answer from you. For this first question, so our, our first question here on the final floor is: What is your uh, what is your favorite music to listen to? Your go-to music of choice? I go way back to the oldies. You know, Frank Sinatra, Duke Ellington, my Count Basie, all those guys in the swing area. Uh, you know, they had some great memor- melodies in their music and stuff, and I'm lost today in what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a fellow Frank Sinatra fan. I've got a lot of Frank Sinatra music and he um, was a great man, great yeah. singer. And my kids get introduced to him every Christmas time because a lot of a lot of he has a lot of those classic Christmas songs that uh, that that pop up around this time of year. So, um, that's one at least one area that his music continues to thrive in. 
Our second question here in the Final Four is, what is your favorite book or maybe a good book you've read recently? You know, I haven't been reading much lately. I used to read an awful lot. And I, I used to enjoy a lot of those novels. But lately, it's strictly magazines and stuff. Sports Illustrated. <laughs> when you like that. When you read books, did you have a specific topic or, or genre that you liked to read? Uh, no, not really. Uh, but, uh, you know, all the... Vonnegut. Yeah. So Kurt Vonnegut would, yeah, oh, yeah. Indianapolis man. And, um, you know what? That brings uh, Bob King, you know. He and Nancy King were very close to Angie and I. And he's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, he he was at Short Ridge High School. Mm-hmm. And Vonnegut was. Oh, I didn't know he was a short yeah, ridge grader. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Bob King, long t- assistant coach, and then longtime Purdue administrator. I enjoyed his books. Vonnegut books. Yeah, so, um, so Slaughterhouse-Five yeah. was, and that was around where you served in, in the war, yeah, right? Yeah, he was, he was in Dresden, you know, uh, which is a big, it used to be a beautiful city in Germany. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he, he mentions a lot of things in the war that, connected with me you know. yeah wow that is that's that's a very very interesting i wondered about that when i read a little bit about um i was doing some research before we talked today and i that came up in in the course of my research the the vonnegut books um and and kind of tied into your time and your service over there so it's very interesting that you would would mention him yeah um our third question here if you if you didn't go into coaching and you could wave a magic wand and do anything else, what would that have been? Uh, probably, uh, probably the engineering, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And if you hadn't missed those health classes, you might have been an engineer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Our final four. Our final question here on the final four, Bill Barbarian is. What is, um, what is something that not many people, a little-known fact about you, something that no one knows or not many people know? Boy, that's a tough question. I, and we've uh, covered a lot of ground today, so we've, <laughs> we've probably already talked about some of that. Uh, the, the, the most important thing as far as I was concerned, you know, I have four wonderful daughters. You saw Mary here. Mary comes in and helps me out, you know. That's the only reason why I'm still in this house. And... Uh, and and uh, probably my family and stuff is well coach uh thanks again for taking time um again it's uh, it's been a, a great uh, afternoon here talking with you and we appreciate you taking time to talk to us well i appreciate you two guys thank you very much well we're, we're looking forward to seeing you at the uh the game in Mackey coming up against central michigan on december 28th and and we look forward you know you have an open invitation to come by practice anytime and we we look forward to seeing you there Boy, too I, I'd, I'd like to do that and but i'm day by day you know <laughs> and I, I have my aches and pains and and uh i i'm uh, looking forward to it if I'd like to see him play every game if I could. Same way with the West Side team. Yep. And uh, so. Well, you're yeah. welcome anytime. We can get you over there. We'll certainly, we'll certainly do that. 
I want to thank everybody for listening. This was episode 61 here on the Boilerball Podcast. Reminder to pass along your feedback at boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.